Hi there, Ollie Anderson here. You're listening to Creative Status. This is a podcast about using the creative process to improve your life. If you don't know, I'm a creative performance coach and author who helps people to use creativity to be more real in their lives and or businesses, depending on what they're doing. Um, this is the 52nd episode of Creative Status, which is kind of crazy for a number of reasons. One, it means time really does fucking fly because uh, it doesn't seem like a year's worth of conversations have happened, but yet here we are. Secondly, it's kind of mind-blowing that I've managed to go so deep into this stuff with so many people. I've learned a lot. It's cemented a lot of the uh, philosophical ideas I've personally had about what reality is and what human beings are, how the creative process is a vehicle for becoming more human, more alive, more truthful in our relationship with ourselves and life itself and learning to trust and all the things I like to talk about. Um, Today's episode is kind of a good summary of a lot of the main themes of the podcast. I don't know if you've uh, read the show blurb or seen the episode covers, but basically the three-step process that always comes into this is awareness, acceptance, and action. And the way that I sum it up on the podcast episode art is deconstructing the ego, which is getting out of your mind, figuring out how your sense of identity is holding you back from the life that you want and the natural drive towards wholeness that we all have, but sometimes become disconnected from. Then we need to integrate the shadow self, because if you've read my book, Shadow Life, Freedom from Bullshit in an Unreal World, or listen to the podcast, you'll know that the ego and the shadow are in a constant conflict. And the ego is basically a truncated version of who we are uh, when we've disowned certain parts of ourselves and sent them hiding into the unconscious or the shadow territory. We need to use the creative process, which can be anything, to reintegrate those parts of ourselves because they're very real. They're very much aligned with our true values and intentions, which may be some of the things that have gone into hiding. And if we spend our lives disconnected from them, we will always have a kind of restless feeling or a void that our lives are not our own. Uh, the final level is action. You can't get any changing your life. You can't make any progress in life without taking real or inspired action, which ultimately comes from the whole, which goes back to the making the unconscious conscious and uh, integrating the shadow idea. So anyway, today's episode basically covers all of that because I'm talking to Erin Logan, Logan, sorry, who is a somatic coach. And basically we look at how the body often shows us how our shadow self is hiding and how our relationship with ourselves is often just a trauma response and our personality is a reflection of the things that we've been through and need to survive. All of that is kept in the body and if we do not have a healthy relationship with our body, then we just get caught up in the hamster wheel of the mind, nothing ever changes and we stay disconnected from this very real natural unfolding that is always taking place towards wholeness that is ultimately the path we all need to be on. And if we deny that path, then we just have friction and frustration and misery. So Erin, thank you so much for this conversation because we covered a lot in a short time. Really great summary of all the main themes of the show. Uh, Really good insight, really good energy. There's some uh, really good frameworks and stuff that she shares towards the end of the conversation. So anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. Erin, thanks again for your time. Here's a conversation. I'm going to try and do another year's worth of these. But anyway, thanks a bunch. Boom. Oh, hi there, Erin. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of Creative Status. You're a somatic coach. You help people to get back in their bodies. That is a theme that has come up a few times on the podcast, but I've never literally 
just broken it down and explored it piece by piece to see how it all works. Before we get into it, and I ask you loads of questions, uh, do you feel like introducing yourself, telling people how you ended up uh, doing what you do? And also, can you explain what you want to get out of this conversation or share, not explain? Yeah, that'd be great. Hi, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm Erin. Um, and as you mentioned, I am a somatic coach. And I found my way to somatic coaching um, as a client. Um, I actually started as a, as a client. Um, I had some symptoms that I was dealing with, chronic symptoms, OCD, uh, chronic debilitating anxiety, things like that. And I started working with a somatic coach um, and the process actually went a lot deeper, deeper than I ever could have imagined. Um, I was able to heal some really intense childhood trauma that I actually did not think would be possible to really address in this lifetime. Um, and through that process, my life really started to transform. Um, wow. Really every area of my life um, <laughs> changed. So um, I experienced firsthand the magnitude and um, how profound the work could really be. Um, and so I decided to pursue it as a practitioner as well. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And what I plan to get out of, out of this call, out of this podcast, I, I'm just really excited to have um, a fun conversation with you. Our initial conversation um, was, was really exciting. I love connecting with, with folks on, um, on this kind of stuff. So really excited to talk about kind of how getting out of the head and into the body, which somatic work is all about, um, you, you know, kind of, it allows for, um, for you to heal what's blocking your life force. And in doing that, there's kind of a natural unfolding that takes place both inside and mm -hmm. externally in your life as well. Wow. Like you've just said so many things that have like made my brain dance a little bit. And I could just ask you <laughs> so many different questions. But before we get onto the philosophical stuff, maybe we need to look at how somatic coaching actually works. So on the most basic level, I guess, if someone comes to you for a session and they say, okay, you know, I've got OCD, I've got anxiety, whatever else. How would you address those symptoms with the work that you do? Yeah, so a session, a typical session, you know, um, we guide the client out of the mind, out of the thinking mind, um, and into the realm of the body. And so you're working more with sensation and feeling and emotion, potentially images and, and beliefs and thought patterns and, and things like that as well. Um, really, however, it most authentically manifests for the client. And once you find yourself, you know, guiding the client to making contact with whatever is here in the present moment, um, there really is a, you know, you, as the coach, you're really allowing for the natural unfolding. You're not doing any controlling. You're not doing any 
um, you know, trying to get anything out of it for the client, you're really supporting them in their own natural mm. process of mm. contacting that emotion um, and then ultimately giving authentic expression to what's there mm. as well. It could wow. manifest wow. as verbal expression, movement, um, drawing, writing, whatever um, the client feels the most naturally inclined towards in, in the moment. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the session is when you really start to make meaning. So, um, it's not, uh, you know, your typical therapy session in the Western world. We do a lot of talk therapy, CBT, things like that. It's a very top down approach. Um, this is really a, a bottom up approach. Um, and it, and it allows for alignment between the mind and the body. It doesn't, uh, think of the two as separate. Um, but it really is in accessing what's in the body, which is where we carry our traumas and our patterns and our belief systems that were encoded into us from a very young age. Um, it's in starting there that we start to make more sense of really what's going on and how that stuff is showing up for us in our life. Wow. Like a phrase that you've used a few times already in the conversation that I really love is this idea of the unnatural folding. So the way that I like to look at the human experience is that there is always a drive in all of us towards more wholeness, a deeper connection to ourselves, the world and reality at the level of truth. This is always unfolding, but we block that process, that natural process. We block it with the mind, with all of the mental chatter that is just running around in our heads like a hamster wheel and that we start to identify with and think is the truth. And actually, the work that you're doing by the sound of it is basically helping people to circumvent the hamster wheel, to get back in their bodies and to get back in alignment with this natural unfolding towards wholeness or truth or whatever you want to call it, that was there all the time. But sometimes we can't see because we're filtering everything through the mental stuff, basically. Is that a fair assessment before I keep rambling about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely a big part of it, for sure. Yeah. So why do you think so many of us become out of alignment in the first place? Because ultimately, you know, we're all in our bodies, to state the obvious. The truth resides in the body a lot of the time. Or maybe it's more accurate to say that the, do uh, the body can be a doorway to the truth if we learn to listen to it. But for some reason, we've all been conditioned to just not listen to the, the voice that's always calling, if that makes sense. Like, how do we get in that state in the first place? Yeah, I, that's a great question. And I think it, it comes back to protective strategies. So what is blocking us from what you refer to as like capital T truth, um, this inner essence, this voice that's always calling um, is, you know, a number of protective strategies that we don't consciously adapt a lot of the time. You know, these are things that we learn subconsciously uh, that we need to do in order to survive or get by in the certain, you know, circumstances or environments that we're growing up in. I think a lot of it comes down to um, a lot of my work is based in attachment theory and, and attachment therapy and things like that. So, um, you know, depending on the type of environment that we are raised in, we will 
you know, subconsciously start to develop these various protective mechanisms. It could also come from things that happened to us at school or, you know, those really traumatic um, and impactful um, experiences that that we all encounter throughout life. And so what we, the lens that we look at it uh, through in somatics is through a lens of compassion and through a lens of like, of course, instead of beating ourselves up, like, of course, I have this mental chatter. Of course, I, I escaped into a, into my mind, for example, um, as somebody who's mentally inclined or, you know, develops OCD, rumination, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just as an example, it's like, oh, of course I did this. It's because of X, Y, and Z. And I no longer have to do that, but I do have to heal from the circumstances that caused me to get there for, in the first place mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I can access that capital T truth. Wow. Like something I love to rant about on the podcast on everywhere, to be honest, is this three-step process that we all need to go through when we transform in our lives. The first step is awareness, which basically means that we become aware of the patterns that are holding us back, all of the ego stuff, the way that we're identifying in an unreal way, ETC. The second step is acceptance of who we truly are, what's hiding uh, behind the veil of the ego down in the shadow self, some of the things Mm -hmm. that we may have not wanted to accept about life, like we're all going to be dead one day and all these kind of things. And then finally, the, the next stage is action. What it sounds like is that with the somatic work you're doing, you're really helping people to start raising that awareness and then the acceptance of how they're holding themselves back from a real relationship with themselves. So if that's true, what are some of the practical things that people can do when they're in that early awareness stage? So I guess the question is, how do you teach people to actually listen to their bodies and to start seeing that it is putting them uh, back on the path towards that natural unfolding that we keep talking about? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think awareness is, it takes a lot of patience and it's a muscle that just needs to be strengthened over time. It's, it's this act of, you know, you kind of get to a point where you're like, am I going to continue self-abandoning um, and just like fully being in my protective strategies for the rest of my life. And then, you know, consistently seeing the ways that those protective strategies are like keeping me from this life that I ultimately desire and envision for myself. Or am I going to make the conscious choice to continue coming back to my body every time something happens when I'm triggered or um, I'm, I start to feel something um, that might be uncomfortable. And it, it really is. I mean, it, there isn't like a quick fix. There isn't like a, a step-by-step handbook of how to do it, but it is this, this act of committing to, am I going to continue coming back to the body and listening and being with what's there in small doses over time? It doesn't need to be like, okay, I am going to sit for three hours with this wave of fear. We're slowly expanding our capacity within our nervous systems to be able to do it. Um, but I, I think it really is, you know, this, uh, this commitment and then this it's patience and practice. And it's not, um, you know, beating yourself up again, it's, it's, um, it's not about beating yourself up when you don't do it. 
it's just mm-hmm. that's just more information um, is the way that we like to see it. So yeah, so it's basically it's just about continuing to chip away at it until it just dissolves, and then those patterns that are holding us back, those mental patterns, they are ultimately replaced with something more real. If if that makes sense, like would you say a lot of the mental things, even though they've um, they've evolved in our lives as a protective thing. So the ego, I always say, it's like a survival thing that we've created to be able to survive similar situations to in the future to what we've been through in the past. But even though it is there for survival, reality is no doubt changed around us and actually it doesn't help us to thrive in current day reality. And so a lot of the beliefs that we pick up, which do offer protective value, eventually become unreal. And one of the reasons that the mind stuff becomes so problematic in our lives is because by filtering everything through it, we start acting in a way that is not actually aligned with the truth or with reality or whatever word we want to replace there or substitute there. We keep acting in a in a conceptual way rather than an experiential way. Let's say it like mm. that. And so ultimately, the body stuff shows us that a lot of our knowledge is totally unreal. It's just something, it's like an illusion, basically, that we're filtering everything through. And when we let go of it, it puts us back on this path that I keep bringing it back to you about the natural unfolding. And once you realize that it's unreal, that's when you reach that tipping point where everything can actually change for you. And it sounds like based on your story, like when you were getting this kind of coaching work, that's sort of what happened. Yeah. Um, you know, I, yeah, you kind of outlined it, um, in a pretty clear way. And in, uh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call it unreal. Um, I would call it, um, very real to you and to your perception of what's going on. You know, we never want to, that can come across with clients as like invalidating or, um, when somebody's like, no, I really feel like this is what's going on. You know, you don't want to discount that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would refer to it as triggered. If you're in a triggered state, your inner world and the mental chatter, the sensations that you're having are simply not a true reflection of your current reality. So Yeah. In in the same, you know, um, it's just a different word for saying the same thing. Um, and yeah, I think it's about, um, you know, coming into the body and, and continuing to bring it back to that unfolding. It's it Once you loosen the grip um, and once you work with those protective strategies first and you kind of revisit them and you're like, what do you need from me? in order to know that we are safe now so that you can loosen your grip on me. Um, They start to loosen their grip over time. um, And then there just is this beautiful, just natural unfolding um, of all of these different changes that you start to experience in your body and in your life as well. Yeah. So let's dig into that a little bit more. So it sounds like when you get back in touch with your body in a, in a, real way then you find this foundation of something that i would i would normally describe it as wholeness like we're connected to ourselves at a 
a much deeper level. That allows us to connect to other people at a deeper level and it allows us to connect to life at a deeper level. But in what you've seen with your work and with your clients and in your own life, when you step away from those triggers and everything and you get into the body, into the present moment in this very real whole way that we're talking about, what changes do you start noticing in life and how do you account for those changes? Like, why does this simple shift in perception ultimately lead to such stark changes in our lives, such a contrast? I think it's more than a shift in perception. I think it is a shift in experience. Mm. Um, and so perception can can feel um, very mental. And I think it's when we create inner safety, essentially, uh, when we create more safety in our nervous system, when we heal the traumatized nervous system at the level of the body, um, yeah, we gain access to this place within us that was never traumatized by those experiences that we had this this truth this essence um and in the process of coming back into wholeness in my line of work we do a lot of parts work so we're you know being called back uh through triggers um and through you know doing the work itself in session we're connecting with these parts of ourselves that were cut off, frozen in time, essentially traumatized um, by various experiences. And it's in the gathering up of these parts and in putting our awareness, giving our awareness and our love to those parts is what we kind of um, refer to as coming back into wholeness. This, wow. um, this state that we were born in um and and as um but the the shift and i think the way that that i've seen it manifest is i mean there's so many different (laughs) different ways like people very real applications of it is like people realize oh my god what i'm doing for work as a career is absolutely not aligned with who i really am um that's just one or hey the way i'm showing up in my relationship is absolutely not aligned with who I am anymore. I have zero boundaries. And then that's when like the real kind of integration work starts, mm-hmm. right? So it's in like, how do you shift your career? How do you change your change your relationship um, or the way that you're showing up? Um, and so, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of um, yeah. real life applications to it. But I yeah. really do consistently see a huge shift start to take place at a certain point. Yeah, that's amazing. Like actually, I've seen this in uh, coaching people as well. Like sometimes at the start of the journey, they've basically come to coaching because they have they feel like there's a void inside them or they've got like a restless feeling that there's more to life, whatever it is. And that feeling has been caused by the false identity that they've picked up by being caught up on that hamster wheel that we we're talking about, basically. As they go through the coaching process of awareness, acceptance, and action, they start to realize that, Ultimately, there is this dance between the ego or the false identity that they've created because of their shame, guilt, and trauma, and the shadow self, which basically is a truncated version of who they really are with all kinds of parts disowned so that the ego can stay in the state that it needs to be for them to keep avoiding Mm -hmm. those emotions. When they start facing the shadow self, that is when they start to move towards integration and they realize that the life that they've built 
was ultimately filtered through the ego. So that social conditioning, mm -hmm. uh, self-hypnosis to keep the ego in place, all that kind of stuff. And so by following the dictates of the ego rather than of their realness, as I call it, they end up building a life that is totally inauthentic. And even a lot of the goals that they may start the coaching process with have been filtered through the ego in that manner. And so they're ultimately just kind of shadow boxing with life. They're chasing something that's unreal in order to kind of fill a void that's not real anyway. It's just the illusion of disconnection. And so when they go through this journey, that's exactly, it's exactly like you said. They realize, wow, this job that I thought I really cared about, I have, I have no real attraction to it at all anymore because, you know, it's ultimately, it was just like an idol I created because I was avoiding the truth. So I put the truth in this, in my career, in money, in false relationships, blah, 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 blah. And it's really interesting that you've said that because ultimately when I was talking about awareness, acceptance and action, it goes deconstructing the ego, integrating the shadow and then building or manifesting a real life. So mm -hmm. with this overlap that we're kind of noticing between my process and your process, Mm -hmm. Could we say that for most people, the shadow self initially is hidden in the body because there's this dance between the ego and the shadow. The ego basically shows up as a bunch of mental, uh, conceptual constructs and ideas and all that kind of stuff. It keeps the shadow at bay. But the shadow never goes anywhere because it's real. Like we said, what's, what's real is always real. I can't remember how you said that. Sorry, but you said this real place within us that isn't, it never gets traumatized is always there, but we become mm -hmm. disconnected from it. So if that's all true is, you know, somatic work, getting in your body, getting out of your head, is that a way to do shadow work ultimately? Oh, totally. Totally. Shadow work is a huge part of the process. Wow. Um, and I, I agree with with what um, with what you said. You know, I think a lot of folks end up coming to a point in their process where they almost start realizing that their trauma response <laughs> was their personality yeah, exactly um, or what they were identifying with wow. and coming into more authenticity um and in finding their authentic nature is ultimately where you want people to end up right yeah, yeah. uh but you cannot there's it's like that common saying of there's no way out but through mm. uh you have to trudge through the the shadow and face the shadow and really you know not wrestle with it but bring it into the light yeah, of your yeah, awareness yeah, yeah. and be like oh all of this isn't so bad like this is these are just parts of me that i can yeah. now start to integrate yeah. um but yes i would say this if the subconscious you know um through a somatic lens it, it really lives in the realm of the body mm. um that's where you're going to be confronted with all of those those patterns those you know hidden strategies those fears those insecurities those beliefs that we would yeah. consider shadow um and start to really bring them into the light of your awareness and lovingly and and compassionately start working to reintegrate them um and you know um uh more powerfully um and, and in a more empowered way um uh you know bring them into that that wholeness yeah um yeah. That, that we're talking about so yeah that, that's amazing like ultimately healing or integration of the shadow it ultimately boils down to acceptance that's how i see it right so for me when i'm talking about realness and being connected to the truth and all this kind of highfalutin stuff that I love to run about. 
ultimately it's about wholeness because the truth reality is about wholeness and a connection to that. And the only thing you can do with reality is accept it. And so if you've got all of these parts that you've disowned because of your trauma response been your personality, I love how you said that, then you're basically not accepting who you really are. And mm. the the parts that we disown, like we said, they go hiding in the body somewhere. And part of the healing process is finding a way to bring them back to the surface, to state the obvious. And it can be anything. Like I, I do loads of yoga and, you know, I've, I'll have memories like pop up in certain poses, for example, like things that need to just be brought back to light. I've mm-hmm. seen people crying, like when they're doing certain poses with their hips, because mm-hmm. like the theory is like for some reason, your hips hold a lot of trauma and people like burst into tears randomly because it's got them out of their head and into their body, which is the whole point. Mm-hmm. So I think there's two kind of questions I want to ask you. The first one is about, you know, how the shadow does show up in the body. So maybe like we could look at specific emotions, for example, or specific goals, even and intentions, but then also how that applies to the creative process. So let's break those down one at a time. So in relation to the shadow and, you know, the body and the way that it shows up in the body and learning to listen to the body in the way that you're talking about, what have you seen specifically, I guess, about how the, you know, different parts may show up in the body? So for example, I just said, you know, apparently a lot of trauma can show up in our hips. Maybe anger shows up in a certain way maybe denying certain true values and intentions that we have could show up as like anxiety or whatever it is. Like these are me, I'm just speculating really. But like, what Mm -hmm. have you seen about that specific parts showing up in a certain way and bodily signals, I guess, being calls from the shadow self to start integrating some very real stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, Great question. And it's a big question. Um, I think with somatics, uh, specifically, we, um, it's a very unique and individual process. Um, So it's hard to say if one client, you know, carries a lot of fear in their gut, that another client isn't going to carry fear in their chest. I, for example, um, grief for me shows up as very, very deep kind of pain in my hands around my my thumbs. Um, So whenever I start to kind of feel that pain over time, I started to connect it like, oh, I am like entering a grief portal. Uh, But nobody else that I've ever spoken to has that same experience as I do. But it's but what's so beautiful about somatics is that it gets you into your unique body. And as you start to make that relationship and deepen that relationship with yourself, you're speaking the language of your body, you're speaking the unique language of sensation. And over time, you're like, oh, got it. Okay, so I have this this pain here, or um, I'm about to go into a hip exercise, I know that I'm going to have memories come up, whatever it is. Now, there are definitely, you know, those quintessential areas of the body where we hold a lot of things, right? So we have the shoulders, um, we have the hips, uh, and you know, really the central center channel. So we talk a lot in somatics about like the throat area, the chest and the stomach and gut, and then the, the, the hips and the pelvis as well. Um, but I think what's 
more interesting even is the subtlety of it. So we find in somatics that like the shadow shows up in the shapes that we make with our bodies. And so you will notice like if you start to kind of tune in to yourself when you're not paying attention to your body, you take like a mindful minute, you kind of get aware with, you know, become aware of like how you're sitting, even just in any moment, you start to notice like where you carry certain tension in your body in certain moments, even when there's like nothing really particularly happening. And then you can start becoming aware of that in moments where you might be more triggered or if you're around certain people, like what is the shape that I'm taking when conflict arises? And in noticing that and exploring that, you can really go back and kind of deduce like, okay, this is why I make this shape now. And this shape isn't just a shape. It's, it's an entire behavior. It's a pattern. Right. Um, So I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like ultimately, it kind of comes back to awareness again, because I think at the start of a journey of learning to listen to your private body language, and I'm so glad you said that, you're right, because I was making it too universal, but ultimately, all our bodies are unique. We've all got different life experience and blah, blah, blah. So the way that this shadow language is going to whisper to us is going to be slightly different. But if we... Mm -hmm. If we can get into that mindset of maintaining awareness and kind of observing ourselves like you're talking about, then we can kind of reverse engineer it, I guess. So we, like you said with mm-hmm. the, you know, our posture, for example, if we notice that our posture, I don't know, slumps or something in certain situations, maybe we can reverse engineer what's going right. on there and then figure out, you know, what parts of the shadow self may be hidden or something in those kind of social interactions, let's say. Like, does right. that make sense? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, go, go oh, ahead. Go sorry, ahead. I thought you were going to say something. So, yeah, so we can reverse engineer what's going on. There are some general patterns, I guess, like you said, like the central part of the body and all that kind of stuff. Have you learned if there are any kind of universal symptoms that a lot of people may look at in isolation, but are which, which are ultimately a sign of the fundamental problem of disconnection from the real or authentic self and this natural unfolding that is getting blocked by the mind. So for example, a lot of people think they have anxiety, they think they have depression, and they look at those things in isolation, but actually they're symptoms. And the way that I see that now after working with people and looking at my own stuff is that a lot of the time, okay, they are they are things that exist in the world, obviously, but they're symptoms of not being real in some way and blocking this natural unfolding and the integration process. And if you can put yourself back on that path, then a lot of those symptoms kind of dissolve. So I guess the question is, if somebody is not listening to their body, what are some of the general signs that they may may need to kind of do some of this work you're talking about? And what are some of the common pitfalls, I guess? Because a lot of the time... When people don't understand the real problem, which is that they're disconnected at this deep level, then they'll basically do what we said earlier. They filter everything through their trauma response and end up, you know, going on a wild goose chase. But is there something there? Like people might have like a bunch of symptoms, which they think can be seen in isolation, but it's ultimately a sign of the kind of thing we're talking about. 
Yeah, of disconnection from from your truth, from from wholeness. Um, yeah, for sure. I would um, I would kind of break it up into three different categories. There's you know the physical wow. manifestations of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. So you might get um, wow. when you start to tune into the body, you might notice like, wow, I have like really shallow breathing, or I have a lot of tightness in my chest, or mm-hmm. oh my god, my jaw is like constantly, you know, clenched, um, uh, you know, pain, chronic pain, um, you might, you know, not in the stomach. Um, it can show up really as, as so many different, um, physical symptoms. And then it also manifests as behavioral patterns, right? So, um, the different ways that we essentially subconsciously are protecting ourselves, um, through these, these different behavioral patterns that start to impede us, um, in certain situations, right. From getting what we truly desire, um, and relational patterns too. relationships are a huge mirror, um, to our own shadow and to the things that might be suppressed and that we need to, to really um, go inward and look at as opposed to projecting onto our partner or our friend or, you know, a loved one. And so all of those different, if you start to kind of feel really blocked in those, you know, various, um, either with your own behavioral patterns or the way that you're consistently having these uh, same issues occur in relationships or chasing after the same type of person, that kind of thing are all kind of um, indicators that um, there is a disconnection, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from that that inner source, that that inner source of wisdom, that wholeness, that uh, essential nature. So wow. Did you just come up with those three things right now? Because that's awesome. Like basically, I did. Yeah, while you were talking, <laughs> yeah, I I just kind of wrote, jotted it down to make make sense of it. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes perfect sense of the whole thing. So yeah, we get these physical, behavioral, and relational symptoms that ultimately show up as a kind of friction or frustration in our mm-hmm. lives. The more that we resist changing those patterns the more all of those things are going to lead to misery. That, I always say it goes mm-hmm. friction, frustration, and misery. And the friction is always caused by that fundamental disconnection. So in terms of our physical frustration, our body will give us clear signs ultimately that we need to change something. Maybe we need to mm-hmm. exercise more. Maybe we need to meditate more, whatever it is. But just subtle signs, like you said, like maybe like our, our breathing is like choppy or whatever. We need to change something. And if we don't, we'll be miserable. With our behaviors, it's the same thing. Like a lot of the time when we've got this disconnection from the truth of our relationship to wholeness, we end up trying to substitute all of the benefits we get from that relationship with something else. So for example, Mm -hmm. we'll try and look for, I don't know, wholeness in money or wholeness in sex or wholeness in power or wholeness in Mm -hmm. shopping, whatever. It can literally be anything. But because that is a substitute for something that we can only really get real value from in the, this way that we're talking about by connecting to wholeness, those behaviors will always lead to like friction, frustration and misery and drama. I would, mm-hmm. I like to say, or I've been saying recently, like if you put these things on a pedestal, they'll turn to dust. So if you put those substitutes on the pedestal, eventually it will turn to dust because there's no real foundation, which is the wholeness. And then right. with relationships as well, it's the same thing. Because we're not been real, we're disowning parts of ourselves. 
it's a block to true intimacy and all of our relationships are just going to uh, reflect or mirror the trauma response that is the personality we've put into the relationship instead of our real selves. So those three things are super powerful. I think you should like go on millions of other podcasts and talk about those. That's super <laughs> cool. Um, let's try and bring this back to the creative process. So believe it or not, this podcast is about creativity, but like it's always recently been about like this journey of the natural unfolding. But actually that's because the natural unfolding and the creative process are intrinsically linked. Because in relation to what we said about the ego and the shadow, the creative process is ultimately anything that helps you to circumvent that hamster wheel of the ego and put you back on this path towards wholeness. So it can literally be anything. Like it could be a yoga session, you could be driving a taxi, you could be climbing a mountain, you could be painting pictures, etc., etc. All acts of real creativity in that sense are putting you back into the same place that somatic work does which is where you're back in the present moment, you're back in alignment with the natural unfolding. And as you go with that natural unfolding, ride the reality waves, as I like to say, well, you are allowing the shadow to reemerge and you're making the unconscious conscious. So my question for you in relation to that is about whether or not this somatic work, getting in your body, getting out of your head, integrating the shadow and then moving forward towards the life that you want. Is it ultimately something that we can see has been vital in the process of creating ourselves in alignment with who we really are, if that makes sense? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think so much of somatic work is it's energetics. Hmm. I mean, if we're really going to, um, you know, simplify it, you're working with the energy that's here. Emotions are energy in motion um, is a common phrase. And so when we're working with the nervous system, when we're working somatically, um, you're really just letting the energies that are yes. here emerge yeah. um, and going with them, riding that, that wave, um, as you said. And that in itself is is creation. It is a creative process. And you're yeah. not doing anything. Um, you're really just, you know, shining your light of light of, you know, oh, somatic awareness onto what this energy yeah. is and what it's saying and what it wants and how it moves and mm. really is acting um, through wow. the, the creative energy yeah. um, that's there. And that essentially, wow. in my experience, is creating the space within for this mm. other thing to yeah. shine through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, when you said you you don't have to do anything, I kind of laughed a bit in recognition of how true that is. Mm -hmm. Like, I've seen it with my clients. Like, at the start of the journey, they, they, they'll feel restless and all this kind of stuff. They'll have bodily sensations that, you know, something needs to change. I'm going mad because my life is not what I thought it was going to be. And when you dive into it, there will be there's some creative impulse inside them that they're neglecting. And that's causing some of this bodily friction. As soon mm -hmm. as they start to figure out what that is and to act in alignment with it, and it can be anything, again, like it's the creative process, like I said, it's anything that's going to move you in this direction of wholeness. But, you know, it might be a business. It might be like a, a musical project. It might be wanting to write a book, whatever it is. There's something inside you that your shadow is telling you to do in order to heal. And if you go with it, well, things will happen very quickly because you're not causing the inner resistance that slows things down. 
And when you do go with it, that's when you start getting results very quickly because the mm -hmm. ego stuff kind of dissolves, it slips away. You start getting evidence that this other version of you that the shadow has brought forth is the real version of you. And you actually don't need to do anything. It's true. All you need to do is trust it and go with it. And the first step will always be, it seems, some kind of paying attention to some bodily thing like anxiety or some emotion or whatever it is, which are all in the body, I think. And when you pay attention to it and you say, okay, why is this here? Why am I experiencing this friction? That's when you, you know, you let the shadow do what it needs to do. Things work out and you move towards wholeness, something like that. So that was me ranting and raving for 40 minutes. Um, how would you sum up this conversation? Like if that's even possible, because we went all over the place, but I think there are some like key themes and ideas. So what are your final words of wisdom? And can you let people know where they can find you if they want to work with you and start doing some of these things we've been talking about? Yeah, um, I think just to sum it up um, and just to kind of tie it back to the theme is, you know, when you are no longer spending your energy on resisting what's here yeah. for you and your body to, to see, to be aware of, to work with, all of that energy gets you know, you can put that onto something else. And so a lot of it typically is, um, you know, channeled into creativity and creating in some way, shape or form, if it's career, if it's, um, you know, in your relationships, whatever that looks like. Um, and so I think, you know, with from a somatic lens, when you decide to consciously make that decision, go into the body and bring all of the shadow into the light, do the real work of integrating that. Um, the grip is kind of loosened over time. Uh, you're coming back into wholeness and all of that energy that you were spending prior on um, holding on really tight and trying yeah. to control and trying to yeah. not feel those things, you know, in the letting go is when that expansion and creativity and that force really comes through. And it really is a natural unfolding. Wow. Um, your body, what I like to say is the body already knows what it needs, what it needs in order to come back into balance. And mm -hmm. somatics is about learning how to listen. Wow. So I'll leave, I'll leave everybody with that. Um, and I guess my Instagram is probably the best place um, to connect with me. Uh, all of the different links and things like that are can be found on my Instagram. It's at the dot hum with two M's. So it's the dot H U M M. Brilliant. Thank you yeah. for summing all that up. I think um, you've encapsulated everything we talked about. I'll share your Instagram in the show notes so people can find it easily. But Erin, thank you so much for this. Like you give me loads of food for thought. And uh, I'm going to listen to my body from now on. That's what I've decided. <laughs> this conversation. So thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so much, Ali. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was so fun. Thanks again. <laughs>